2: us down through
0: that 2012 edition So it ain't nothing too new Hundreds more to go And in need of a friend The king of these for Angelo
2: Talking the 500 until the end Talking the 500 until the end With my man J.A.M. On the 500 500 until the end That is try a little tenderness by otis redding from the 1966 record complete and unbelievable the otis redding dictionary of soul it's also number 254 out of 500 on my show the 500 with josh adam myers where i'm going through rolling stone magazine's list of the 500 greatest records uh we are almost halfway through and uh this is not like an in-depthy we talk about it we have a fun We learn some facts. We learn about the guest. We enjoy ourselves. I am not a music critic. There you go. You guys having a good time? Subscribe to the Patreon. $5 gets you so much. You help and support the show. Uh, we need your help, man. We want to finish this. Uh, we don't have a lot of ad sales we' I'm basically doing this is out of the love of my heart. So patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast, subscribe to the show helps pay for Emily, Peter, uh, maybe me, you know, we need your help. You get some merch. You get to ask questions. Uh, I'm going to start doing, um, I think I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe I'll do another podcast, you know, on the Patreon or like something about music, but I don't know. I want to expand my brand. Starting this Friday, the Backroad Baptism Tour, I'm going to be on tour with uh, Jelly Roll, Three Six Mafia, Yellow Wolf, Chase Rice, Struggle Jennings, and a bunch of other incredible artists on the Backroad Baptism Tour. We are hitting 44 different arenas between July 28th and October 14th. Uh, we are stacked up on episodes, so I'm doing all the intros and stuff like that now because I'm not going to do this on the road. And we got them done, man. We got, we got 12 episodes done. 13, actually, because we actually got all the way to the replacements. Um, they're great episodes, man. Support the show. Come see me live on the road. I got some dates uh, at the end of the year. I'm going to be all over. Probably be on tour until the middle of 2024. Um, and then we got some big announcements, dude taping a special it's going to be fun um so yeah dude support the show patreon.com backslash the 500 podcast and go to at josh adam Myers on all social media to find out about me follow me support uh i'm, I'm doing my best also support dj morty coil man good buddy of mine at dj morty Coyle. we love him he still helps me with the show um not in the capacity that he did before, but man, I, I love calling him. I love finding out about the records because I don't know a lot. You know what I mean? I- there's some episodes where I know a lot uh, and I can talk about the artist just without even looking at the notes, but the record, about the music. And then there's some that I'm like, I don't know anything. And I'm talking to a guy that loves them. And it's like, Morty, school me. And then he just gets on the phone with me. We talk for like, sometimes an hour and a half, two hours about the record. And I he gets me to a place where I can, you know, not sound like an idiot. Uh, and that's all that I want. I just don't want to sound stupid. I feel like I do a pretty good job. All right, Otis Redding. Well, if you could see video right now behind me and you've probably noticed in a lot of the episodes that we've done, if you have the Patreon and you can see the video, the, I have a painting of Otis Redding behind me. I feel like Otis Redding, I feel like. Otis Redding, in my opinion, is the greatest rock and roll singer of all time. No cap, 100. There's no better singer and stage present artist than Otis Redding. And this was one of those ones where it's like, I don't even have to look at the notes. And we really, really were lucky to get one of Denver's finest comics, Mr. Ben Roy. Uh, ben has a new hour special called Hyena. That came out on 800 pound gorilla it's available august 10th on his youtube channel or for premium rental uh he's got two other pods 97.9 the rat race and the growlick saves the world uh a dude that uh, i've always known about he's a rock star and this was a fun app rate review and most importantly subscribe to the 500 listen free on all platforms follow me at josh adam Myers on all social media Email the podcast at 500 podcast at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook group run by Crazy Evan. And for all things 500, go to the website, the 500 podcastcom And that means, with all that being said, Otis Redding, the complete and unbelievable, 254. Here we go. Dude, I'm excited. Not only, because I know we've met before. We did a couple spots together in LA. Um, yeah. I'm almost positive we did, didn't we do... Um, Oh, God, what's his name? Mick Betancourt. Didn't he run like a, a sober show? Yeah, it and was. I at, think that was the uh, first time.
1: It was at uh, Radford Hall.
2: Yes, yes. Yeah.
1: It was like you and I and Christina P and, uh, or Christine, Christina P. Pajitsky, it, it was much Pajitsky,
2: much. but back when yeah. it was Pajitsky before
1: P. She, yeah. <laughs> before uh, she became a millionaire. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, was, that show was actually fucking pretty awesome it was All rad right. yeah and you can tell that uh we're kindred spirits by our vocal fry you yeah. know what i mean i i like-
2: actually think that you might have a much more fry than i adam who's got more fry <laughs> come on
0: uh, who's, i got to voice is lean here but it's it's a photo finish they got to look it at it it's close
1: race. We both sound sound like popular sorority girls. (laughs) There are (laughs) there
2: are people being like, "Is Josh just doing a solo episode today?" It's
1: (laughs) (laughs) a series of overlapping characters. It's super meta. Yeah. Well, what's funny? What's funny is
2: this. You know, not to jump into it, but to jump into it is that Otis Redding is an artist that I love so much that I even considered doing this all by myself. There's been a couple records on the list that I'm like, "Oh, I can do this on my own." Like when I do Radiohead OK Computer, I I mean literally if I have a guest on it's going to be more about me. And I'm not saying today's going to be all about me, but like this Sea Change by Beck, uh, uh-huh. you know, Guns and Roses GNR fucking Appetite for Destruction, like those are albums that I have so much life experience with. And this record in particular complete and unbelievable. It, you know, is a record that I definitely love by Otis, but just him as as a entity in rock and roll, yeah. I don't think there's a more important artist to my lifetime, especially as the older I've gotten. I mean, if you can look right over there, I have a painting of him that I had yeah. commissioned up there. Um, That's fucking amazing. He's just rad, man. This is a guy that, you know, I don't want to get into the some of the shit I was saying, but it's like, God damn, it's, he's somebody that if he only would have lived, would have gone down as one of the greatest rock stars, not soul singers, oh, yeah. rock stars in the history
1: of music. Um, yeah, his uh, I re- like. I play in a band. I still tour in a band, and his like uh, live performance at Monterey Pop. I've watched that like so many times. Yeah, that 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 like begging style of singing. You know that that was like. Th- that that energy that he created on stage was fucking totally unique for the time. And I think uh, exemplified like that stacks, that stacks record sound, you know, yeah. or whatever, like uh, I agree. I didn't listen to it as much when I was younger, but definitely in my twenties uh, the more I got into soul and R&B uh, I realized how important a, a figure of rock and roll.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, I, I the song from the, the song that made me discover him is on this record. Try little which tenderness. Was, yeah. Try little tenderness is, you know, in my opinion, where, where some people would say it's like sitting on the dock of the bay, which I don't feel exemplifies him at no. all. Like it's kind of, of bay-
1: an aberration of a song for him. Like it was yeah. totally weird. It, it it was not like what Otis Redding did prior to that at know? all
0: at
2: all and and and, but also i think we both could agree sitting on the dock of bay is a great song you know it's it is a great song it's iconic rad and what did you just say
0: otis even said that he was trying to go in a different direction when he wrote sitting on the dock of the bay that he like against like his bandmate wishes his wife like everybody was like you know he was trying to be more experimental but he's like no i want to go that way
1: yeah i had i had i had read or heard that even the label didn't like the song. Like he had been listening to the Beatles. He had been listening the whistling at the end, you know? I mean, people were like, what the, what the fuck is this? You know? And, yeah. But uh, yeah, that whole album, I mean, the way it starts, the fa-fa-fa-fa-fa, like that song is so fucking insane and so good, uh, yeah. Uh,
2: this this is one of his better records it's actually funny adam how many records do we have of his that are on the podcast three total we have we have three i know one of them is like his is like what isn't another one of them like an anthology of his shit
0: uh so otis blue is one of them and then i'm looking for that spot here on the facts and then otis writing sing soul is the other one
2: okay so so like staples in his in his repertoire here's what's funny about otis Redding. otis Redding, in my opinion is the grateful dead you know he's got some great records but what you need to hear are the live shows the live shows that he put out like you said monterey which is the one that blew him up and you know i could imagine what it would like been like to be there to see that there's a there's a few live shows uh the one in particular that i love is that he rented out the whiskey a go-go for three nights yeah, it's dude. It's like you know, I I just did three Grateful Dead, actually four Grateful Dead records on the podcast. We did American Beauty, we did Anthem of the Sun, we did uh, the other Working Man's Dead, and then we ended up doing Live Dead, which was like their first live record. And I I I would sit down with Phil Hanley. I don't know if you know him. He's a comic. Um, yeah, I know him. I don't. You know, know him. A great dude. Yeah. Great dude. Huge yeah. Dead fan. And after he, the first one he did was Anthem of the Sun. And all he kept saying was, yeah, this is, this is good. This isn't why the dead are popular. The dead are popular because they tape every show that they do. And they say, here it is. Everybody trade the tapes. It's a different song every time. Yes. The, yeah, the, the meat and potatoes of the song is the same, but he cha- they change it enough in the jam. And the more I kept doing the records, I'd never listened to any of their live shit. And then finally I was like, all right, for the final one, which was Live Dead, let's do um, we'll do a double record, we'll do Live Dead, and then we'll also talk about this one concert in Cornell. And and then right before we were about to record, I went to see Dead and Company. And yep. I was like, Oh, I get it.
1: Oh, where, where I Where did you see
2: what show did you see? City Field. Okay. In here in New York. And yeah and and dude like yes it's John Mayer it's not Jerry Garcia and it's Phil Lesh uh or not Phil Lesh Bob Weir and Phil Lesh is gone and it's only Mickey um it's a totally different new band but the vibe was there and they're 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 imitating them as close as they can to get it to what Jerry would do or or what they would assume I think he would do um and I think John Mayer is a very talented guitar player but man yeah. it was just the vibe it was the vibe of the show it was it was uh, the music mixed with the people mixed with being at a stadium and fucking planes flying over and me on mescaline like it was <laughs> perfect and and then we sat down to record that episode and and then I was like no I get it now the dead the dead working man's Dead's a great record American Beauty is a great record just like complete and unbelievable is a great record now yeah. if you told me would you rather listen to this or live at the whiskey. Uh, I would la- rather, ha- Live at the Whiskey he captures what it was like when, when, you know, you can, like you said, dude, you can, you can feel yeah, his energy, but you also can feel what it must have been like to be an audience member, seeing this, what I'm only assuming is, because I don't know, I, he seems like he's 6'8", because his he energy. He looks
1: fucking huge. Like, yeah. He looks like a big dude, like a like uh he looks solid on stage. He's not somebody that I would he doesn't have that typical he doesn't cut that typical stage figure you'd picture like you know like we picture in rock and roll lean and tall and like thin, you know what I mean? But yeah. he looked like a pretty big guy, like a solid sized dude.
2: Adam, know? find out find out how big he was cuz I'm very very curious cuz but I was going to say he I'm assuming he's six five six eight because that's how much power the man had. What do you got?
0: Six yeah. one two twenty. Six one two yeah, twenty. He's a that's, big
1: guy. That's a big dude. dude.
2: That's yeah,
0: a that's a back in his
1: era. That's like that's a what I was gonna runner. say.
2: Yeah. I was gonna say that. Yeah, like he's we got to put it in football terms. He's you know he's small forward, weight
1: to light heavyweight. That's a that's a <laughs> that's
2: yeah. yeah, but but what he's doing is is like the reason like this record is on here. I feel like it's all because of everything else that all the live shits, the live version of these songs yeah. are what sell these songs. Yeah. Look, that's the one I got. That's right
1: there. Look. Oh yeah. That's that it. Is it? Yeah, that's it. And I mean, he just look a, at- he was a big guy and, and, uh, when he really got into it, he'd be pouring sweat. You know, it was just give it you would tell he was giving all of it to himself, you know, that 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 to me is the like playing music. I mean, I'm in a band that sounds eh, we're pretty shitty recorded. It's not a great fucking band, but I love live performance like to me. Like there are bands you love because they sound great. Uh, you love their records, but they're not that great live. But yeah, then there are the live bands where you're like, yeah, their 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 albums are all right, but you got to see the live show. And that's what I imagine. I agree. I imagine that's how he was. But I also think like his uh, like that first track, him him mimicking horns with his voice. I don't think was a common thing back then. That no. fam, 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 fam. and then he go like your turn. <laughs> imagine that! <laughs> imagine <laughs> that live yeah. where he's calling, responding. People must have been going nuts during that shit.
2: I I think I think that who was I talking to? We just did an episode, and somebody said that Jerry Lee Lewis. I he hear a recording of him in in um in Germany, Hamburg. That yep. is considered by many rock critics, one of the greatest recordings of live music, and it you, you captures everything. It captures the vibe in the room, it captures all of that. And I, I, I would put, so. I'm not, I'm not saying they're wrong, but I, I would put, he's got live at France, or live in London, that has a nine minute version of Try Little Tenderness, where he, chills the song in general just like he does on the record same style but when it gets to that ending and you know it's it's this beautiful thing where he would you know you've seen it where he sings it and then he's like all right guys that's my time and then he like walks off and then the guy comes out and he's like ladies and gentlemen Otis redding and then he comes back out of the curtains and he does (laughs) that eight or nine times and it gets faster and faster and faster and in the live recording Or was it monterey god damn i because i know i've seen it multiple times but there's one i think it was live in london or live in france where where you can just hear the audience as he keeps doing it get more excited and more excited to the point where it's like they're walking out of there without a doubt saying that might have been the greatest live performance i've ever seen of anything in my life yeah Um, but To get to that we have to go through this this is like this is kind of you know one of his is this what record is this on his uh repertoire uh adam what number
0: number three for him so
2: this so this is uh, uh this is this is adam's album essential write up uh this finds the rugged voice deep soul singer continuing to expand the boundaries of his style while staying true to his rough and passionate signature sound this is his fifth record. Would you say third? Yeah, I was off. You wrote that.
0: You wrote fifth Right, I did. <laughs> I, 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 I missed that when I reviewed it. God,
2: I, I miss having you on here, Adam. It's like JT is all fucking new agey and shit. And you're just <laughs> you're my fucking road dog, dude. Um, so this is his fifth record. It's ambitious interpretations of Tennessee waltz and try a little and has found him approaching material well outside the traditional boundaries of R&B allowing his emotionally charged musical personality to take listeners to a new and unexpected place. When Redding's, where is that? While Redding's experiments with covers on this set are successful and satisfying, it was his own material that he sounded most at home. Completely agree with that. My, yeah, my lover's prayer for sure. And fa 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 sad song. Uh, They are deep Southern soul at its finest featuring Reddings forceful but lovelorn voice. This was his last studio album uh released before his death. Wait, wait, wait. So w- was was Sitting on the Dock of the Bay? Sitting on the Dock of the a Bay signal. was It, it was, was a just, single. Just a single, huh?
1: Yeah, released he, after his death? Yeah, it was released posthumously. He had recorded it I I think only a week or something before his plane crashed. I mean, it was like he recorded it and then I think at the time he was the first artist to ever have an album posthumously chart on number one yeah oh dude dude sitting on the dock of the bay was a was it was it a number one song adam sitting on the dock of the bay
2: yeah yeah so yeah dude this this is what i'm saying do people because i I, i'm trying to figure out how to do this do we get the bullshit out of the way before we get in the discussion adam what's the important meat and potatoes of this that i should read like, to get to know? Because there's people out there that have no idea who Otis Redding is.
0: I mean, the biography, I try to pare it down as much as I can, but I mean, at least from the beginning, at least go through, like, because, I mean, Little Richard is huge in his life. without Okay. They, yeah, All that, right, I so, would...
2: born i am going to see if I can succinct this. Born in Dawson, Georgia, in 41. At age two, moves to Macon, Georgia. Early age, he sings at the Baptist Church church choir learned guitar and piano at 10 took up drumming and singing lessons uh at his high school he sang in the school band every sunday he earned six dollars by performing gospel songs from for macon radio station WIBB, and he won the five dollar prize in a team talent show good god dude for inflation what is that 41 not 41 50 bucks 50, he won 50 bucks <laughs> <laughs> What yeah. about 50 bucks hey man uh,
1: that's a lot of money at that age i don't but, care <laughs> but he but no check it he won it for
2: 15 consecutive weeks uh his passion for singing he often cited little richard and sam cook as influences another thing uh ben if you've never heard sam cook live at the harlem club have you heard it yeah oh. so you, you're a soul guy I, all right cool. i
1: love i love sam cook man yeah. i mean that that to me it's sam probably bef- like over otis I, I i think uh my like got some so many of those songs the hem of his garment i'm not i'm not a religious person and you give me sam cook singing gospel songs and it gives me goosebumps. But anyway, I'll let you keep going. No, yeah. no, but I,
2: I agree, but I will say, but this is the thing is that Sam was more of a, you know, he he did the fucking, the the white guy, like Frank Sinatra type shit perfectly. Yeah. And then, but then when you listen to the Harlem Club, he branches into rock star, And that's yeah. where you hear him playing for like this, these, I think just a bunch of white people and like just turning these motherfuckers on their head. And, and so I think a lot of these soul singers probably had that they had to keep it in. And that's what sucks about the the fifties and the sixties is that they, they couldn't, they couldn't be black. They had to be the white version of that. And I don't feel like, I don't feel like Otis really ever really contained it. You know what I mean? I feel like he was just like, I'm this big motherfucker that's from Macon, Georgia. And and I'm about to blow your fucking mind. And, and I'm not gonna like, you know, I'm not gonna fit in.
1: I have terrible, well, I mean, they may not be conspiracy theories. I have conspiracy theories about that a lot because I, I, uh, or a lot of conspiracy theories about that. I believe, you know, I mean, Sam Cooke died young and really at a time when he was becoming a much more powerful voice in the black community and and black philanthropic um, ventures. And ditto, Otis as well started to really donate because he made a lot of money. That was, and as Otis rose to becoming um, what they call the catalog performer. He didn't really have singles. He was becoming a legacy kind of guy. Like yeah, before he was even he was twenty six or something or twenty seven. you know, i th- I thought he was part of that twenty seven club where he died kind of right around that age. I think as they became more important voices and shed that like we're not playing around. We're going to embrace the black community. We're going to become more involved and start pumping our resources into that uh you see them dying and- somebody gets
2: taken out yeah they dude it's <laughs> this this world is evil dude it's yeah, evil so yeah. I, I i mean you know i i'm not saying it's hundred percent happened but man is it it's just a coincidence that keeps fucking happening what if yeah. this was the podcast where we figured it out and we're like, and then you, and we got like a board up? You're like, you connect it all to J. Edgar Hoover, man.
1: <laughs> the guy, the guy was acting like one way, but he was talking another. Yeah, I really, I really think like I, I don't know, I don't know if there was any like, you know. uh, uh real actual hand in the machine that was doing it. Yeah. But it is odd that as Very. soon, you know, Marvin Gaye, uh, as soon as as soon as performers stop embracing embracing the white establishment and started flipping, uh, a lot of them start dying. And At that time, it wasn't all that uncommon for the CIA to kill civil rights leaders. So, hundred percent, hundred percent. I think downing a Beechcraft plane in stormy weather is not beyond the American government at that time, but.
2: Dude, we sound like Sam Tripoli right now. We're going full because we're going I'm going thing, fucking deep. I'm it's, going <laughs> It's Alex Jones material. All right. Here's a here's a little skedoodle about about him. So where, where where was I? Where was I? Yeah, I make up a lot of words. All right. Here we, we, All right. So he has a passion for singing. Sam Cooke, little Richard. Uh Redding said that he would not be here without Little Richard, that he entered the music business because of Richard. He is my inspiration. I used to sing like Richard, his rock and roll stuff. My present music has a lot of him in it. Speaking a Little Richard, because I, I, I'm doing these all out of order because I'm going on tour. Um, we just did the, I mentioned the Jerry Lee Lewis. Uh, it's his anthology record. And, you know, I, I don't think people realize this, but it's like Little Richard is so important. He's as important to rock and roll as Chuck Berry, mm-hmm. as Jerry Lee Lewis. Like, so Little Richard, if you've never dug, I'm curious, are there any Little Richard records on the 500 list? Check that out. All right, so while you do that, uh, he quits school at 15 to support his family, works with Little Richard's backing band, The Upsetters, uh, performing in talent shows. Uh, His breakthrough came in 58 and another talent contest at the local Roxy and Douglas Theaters, a uh, local prominent guitarist Johnny Jenkins was in the audience reading soon invited to replace Willie Jones as a frontman of Pat Pat T Cake and Mighty Panthers He yeah. tours you know them
1: i just th- i love that name like yeah. i uh, yeah <laughs> pat, pat t cake, t. cake yeah and the exactly. of that's fucking so good yeah featuring anyway,
2: but no but it's also a featuring johnny jenkins johnny yeah. jenkins rules <laughs> too he
1: tours the southern united
2: states of the chitlin circuit uh string of venues that were hospitable to african-american entertainer entertainers during the era of racial segregation lasted into the early 60s around this time he meets phil walden the future founder of the recording company phil walden and the associates when walden started to look for a record label for Jenkins, a session was set up at Stack Studios in Memphis. Redding drove Jenkins to the sessions and Jenkins did not have a drug because he didn't have a driver's license. The sessions with Jenkins backed by Booker T and the MGs was unproductive and ended early, but Redding was allowed to perform two songs, Hey Hey Baby, uh, which the studio chief, where am I, Jim Stewart thought, sounded too much like Little Richard. The second was, oh wow, These Arms of Mine.
1: Yes, what a great
2: song great yeah. uh, i mean that's one of his oh, most icon yeah that's like yeah. you know was that the one uh, these,
0: uh so, so wait no
2: i'm trying to think of the one oh god i sing one of them sometimes i do it like at karaoke and it's when from the from the um from the the live at the whiskey recordings I don't think it's these arms of mine. I'll look for it in a second, but it might be one of my favorite live songs ever. But this is like, it's incredible. These arms of mine is like, is gorgeous. Uh, Stuart later praised Reddy's performance saying everybody was fixing to go home, but Joe Galkin insisted we give Otis a listen. There was something different about the ballad. He really poured his soul into it. He gets signed uh and then he releases that and hey hey baby on the b-side it charts uh in march the following year became one of his most successful singles selling more than eight hundred thousand copies wow so that's that's a lot of records to sell yeah. um for a new artist for a new artist for somebody yeah. they don't know and but i mean that's such a great song like i'm yeah. surprised it wasn't more um and then he starts working on his first record uh but with a slow tempo uh, a disc jockey accordingly labeled him Mr. Pitiful and Redding then wrote that song that in top 100 singles Chained and Bound. Come to me. That's how strong my love is. were included in a Redding second studio record. The great Otis Redding sings soul ballads released in 65 that summer. Redding and the studio crew arranged new songs for the next album. 10 of the 11 songs were recorded in a 24 hour period. The album's entitled Otis Blue, Otis Redding, Sing Soul. I love that all of his records are like Otis sings that's country
1: it, adult not, contemporary. Like, I, want, I want to do this in stand-up. I want like the fantastic Ben Roy tells jokes. You know what I mean? Like the the hubris of being able to fucking do that right off the bat is so great. Like you're like, <laughs> I'm the best, I'm gonna be the best, and I'm just going to call my albums that. Like that's The incredible so Ben Roy <laughs> tells
2: dick <laughs> jokes tells for 35 dick minutes.
1: <laughs> so he got this
2: third record. Oh, he does a cover of A Change Gonna Come in 65. The success uh, saw a rearrangement of the Stax Company. So Phil Walden signs musicians, including Percy Sledge, Johnny Taylor, Clarence oh. Carter, and Eddie Floyd. Together with Redding, they founded the production company's Jodis Records, uh, and on which only four recordings were released. All right. Later on, here you go, he performs at the legendary Whiskey and Go-Go in LA in front of a predominantly white audience, becoming one of the first soul artists to play in the Western United States. It gets critical acclaim by the press and Bob Dylan uh, is there and offered an alternate track of his hit song, just like a woman to him, but he declined the proposal after the performance they went back to Stack Studios continue. And that brings us to today's record. Yeah. um you know imagine so...
1: imagine turning down Bob Dylan at that time like saying nah i'm all, i'm all set like i'm not i'm not into that song like that's fucking huge like have you ever read
2: have you ever read um the book by the drummer of the black crows uh-uh so no, it's a good it's that? a it's it's a good read it's well you remember the black crows right oh yeah yeah but black what's the, what's the, i i think i it's called hard to handle and okay. it's about the destruction. You should read it because it's it tells and I, and you. I,
1: and if I'm correct, "Hard to Handle" was written by Otis Redding.
2: I think you're right. Oh, connections, e, conspiracy if theories.
1: If I'm, <laughs> if I'm, am I right? It's hard to was hard to handle because Otis a... did a version of that, which is fucking fantastic. But I think it was his song like that's an adam
2: question this is when this is where adam shines up right now so so here's the thing i think you're 100 right that being said though um maybe it was wilson pickett
0: it was it it was along with al bell and alan jones i
2: knew that sounded like good old al bell um the uh what i was trying to say is it, it it reminds me of being able to turn down bob dylan When it just talked, the book just talks about the destruction of this band. Like did everything in their power to, to like, fuck their shit up because they could have been one of the biggest rock bands out there, but they just kept fucking up. And when they were doing that, that tour with Jimmy Page, um, Jimmy would be like, Hey, you know, check this riff out. You guys should use this. And he would write them a guitar riff and Chris Robinson or not Chris, the the guitarist one, whichever he is, would be Mm -hmm. like, nah, I'm good. To Jimmy Page, Jimmy Page is offering guitar licks to them, and he'd be like, "Yeah, I don't need it." I mean, it's just
1: like uh, that's amazing, and I mean, and, but- and and also terrible. Terrible. Like, you can take you can take help if if some amazing comic writes a brilliant tag for something of mine. Is like you can have that. I'm going to fucking take it. I don't, yeah. you know what I mean?
2: Like for sure. That's a perfect way to like, to to, to yeah. bring it to our profession because that's true. It's like, I can't tell you how many times I've done shows with bigger comics and they, that's what's so great about standup is that you can hear somebody do it. Uh, a joke and be like, Oh, did have they even thought about this angle? They're leaving out this whole thing and you yeah. give them that chunk. And then that's what be, makes the joke just going
1: from good to great. Fuck yeah. I mean, that, that's, we all kind of do that. We ask, I mean, usually I'm like, Hey, I don't want to, you know what I mean? But I had a thought on one of your jokes, you know what I mean? Uh, But yeah, that, that like that, I've never thought about that with the black crows. They never made that jump to their, to, they were always opening for like Tom Petty or they were, they were always on tour with somebody else. They never made that jump past, you know, they never wrote that, and the only song to me that became that they're synonymous with is a cover like it, it, which is not that strange I guess And soul especially they were all covering each other's songs and yeah. everything but uh yeah I, I, it that's so funny that we flipped right back around because Otis's version of hard to handle is fucking so good like that is so good i, mean, I want to ask can i ask a question please please yeah, please yeah why was Otis Redding, why did it connect with you so much? Or when did it, too? Like, when did it So, because I was going to flip it back
2: and ask you the same question, too, because usually I ask that at the beginning. You know, I don't, I always, I always loved Try a Little Tenderness. I loved it. Yep. And and it was a song that I would sing, you know, one of the, I, I never really did karaoke, but if I did do karaoke, I always chose, songs that weren't really in my vibe because I'm like, you know, a rocker kind of guy and people would expect me to do like a sweet child or some stone temple pilots. And I, I just have a very soulful voice. So I would sing, try a little tenderness. I would sing lately by Stevie wonder. Um, I would sing, uh, not these arms of mine. What is the other one? God damn it. Why don't I fucking know this? I want to like, I'm going to, I want to get this song right. of The one cause from it's from the whiskey recording. Um, God damn it. Let me just look this up here pause for a second while i look otis redding live from the whiskey god damn it where is it it's not these arms of mine it is i've been loving you too long from the whiskey dude that might be my favorite recording ever made in the history of all music because the end he does this thing where he's like he brings it down and then he's like he's like we're gonna do a little gimmick for you right now and he's like one time i really love you yeah, and then it yeah, kind of builds an Oh,
1: yeah. dude,
2: i i oh it's you know what really it was it was that i started realizing that my voice has like, it's just very soulful and I love singing it. And as I get through these periods of, you know, I'm tired of listening to rock and then I switch to jazz and then I go back to rock and I'm like, all right, well, I'm not really into jazz as much. And I want to start discovering, I wanted to find out about newer music. And there was so much, you know, soul out there that I never listened to. And because I love Try a Little Tenderness, I just started inching and warming into it. And then, and this has only been Ben for like, since Spotify has been around and that recording has been out. When I found that whiskey go, go record. I just, I just, it changed my life where I was like, Oh my God, like this, this is the guy, even if it's just that performance, whatever he did there was so impactful to me. It, 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 I started, basically trying to do that in in stand-up comedy in the goddamn comedy jam and when i do music and i do music comedy it's like i put everything into it and otis felt like a guy that always put his life into it his whole being into his music i i keep saying this like to everybody he's in my opinion the one of the greatest rock stars not soul yeah rock stars yeah has ever That has ever lived, one of the greatest lives, everybody's always sucking the dick of Freddie Mercury and you know, and like, oh, he's the greatest frontman. Otis Redding would have buried Freddie Mercury if he just could have lived a little bit longer. Yeah. Like he was, and that's the thing. It's like the same shit, where I'm like, okay, well, what would have happened with Nirvana if Kurt Cobain lives? You know i was talking to morty the old writer on the show and he says i, I bet you he would have started going into like still rock but into like poppier stuff because all that nevermind is is just really good rock pop yeah. you know very catchy yeah. songs about a girl it's just a fucking catchy pop song and i think i think otis redding man i i think he'd be on the level and be talked
1: about and he kind of is but not uh no, not but he, say. He, it was incomplete it was like, he started to transform and to really grow. And yeah, he, uh, I think like uh, for myself, like he, uh, I got into um, like, my parents loved like Al Green and and like, so I grew up listening to like Marvin Gaye and Al, Al Green. And then as I got older, I just started looking back at like the Muscle Shoals sound like, like Percy Sledge. And then finding out about Stax records and, uh, S- Solomon Burke, who if people don't listen to, it should listen to Solomon Burke or Little Richard. like Because I always wanted to be a front person. like And black artists redefined what it was to be in the moment as a front person. They would stop a band. They would get real low. You know what I mean? They'd be like, take yeah. that tempo down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Keep it low. They'd get everybody into it and then they'd build it up. And I always thought that that was like, that, that that moved me more because, um, going to live shows when I, I didn't have anything else. Like I, I lived in Maine. It was very, like small town. And all I had was playing music. I didn't relate to school. I didn't all i wanted to do it's still to this day is play music and so, i you know, i love that
2: so how do you get into comedy how do you go from being just wanting to do that to suddenly being and not just being into comedy you're very good at what the fuck you do and you guys created something really special with Grolix. like how sure. does that how does that how do you go because in my interpretation is I was always a funny kid, and I always wanted to do stand-up comedy. But I was better at music, or at least music was more accessible because you can just have a guitar and start jamming. Yeah. And, but then the second I was like, I got to a place where the bands started fizzling out in my twenties, and I was like, All right, I'm gonna finish school, and I'm gonna try comedy. And luckily, yeah. I've been able to combine them now into a way that I get to do both, which
1: I am. Yeah, which is so rad. I love it. What it is. You do, Thank you. Is Thank so you. <laughs> it fun, is rad. Man rub it in my dad's face (laughs) (laughs) no but it's so fucking fun like it's a fun like it what you do and what the show is like that's so fun it's just fun like yeah and it captures how fun music is and you give everybody an opportunity to be a to be a, like a rock star for a minute, which is totally unique. It's way different than comedy. It's way.
2: Thank you, man. I I, I think yeah. I think it's just it just you know, it. If you love something, you know, and and you just do the do the work and put love into it, and you know, hope it'll connect. But ultimately, you're just trying to satisfy yourself because yeah. that's the only experience you can control. And then when you do that, it, it generally it does catch on because you know you've given people like yourself and your being and as long as you're just being true and it's it's not like i'm up there forcing it i'm like no this is when i'm probably at my most comfortable you know like i i I feel completely but like how do you make that transition how do you go from being you know to be like being in bands to suddenly getting into comedy
1: totally a fluke my ex uh, my ex-wife now but my wife at the time we moved to colorado and she needed a part-time job and she just got a a job as a door staff at Comedy Works here in Denver and I just I think through playing in bands and the banter in between songs I just was comfortable being on stage and I was joking with the staff and a manager was like you should try a new talent night you know like you you'd you'd probably I, I just gave it a shot I didn't really listen to comedy at and have an urge to do it and and i still i want to be clear i love doing stand-up and i love the craft of it i love that i don't answer to anybody else i don't have to coordinate with a full band or anything about schedule i can just do this on my own but honestly if somebody handed me and was like you can play music or you can write television and do comedy what do you but you can only have one or the other i I'd, I'd throw oh, it all away music. for music yeah in a second i and I, but the industry is so much more difficult that I'm willing to spend time in a van and to tour a lot, but finding other people who are at my age is just not. And, you know, so I still tour uh, a fair amount, but um it's like, hard and it is so fucking hard. I older mean, we just- get yeah it's grueling that van life is fucking grueling and being sick in a van is the worst fucking thing ever when everybody's got a cold and you're all fucking pissed but it doesn't matter the minute the song like the music starts i just fucking lose my shit and it's always been that the only way i process pain or happiness i think that that was the difference like Comedy to me will never be transcendent because it only relies, it, it relies solely on one reaction. You, you really like basically at the heart of it, you have to get laughs, but in music, you can get laughs. You can make the crowd sad. You can make them angry. You can, you can do all of that in one fucking show. Yeah. And it, and it just like hits deeper for me. It's always been uh way deeper, way connected to something much Uh, much, uh, I don't know, much. No,
2: I I know exactly what you're saying. It's, uh, there's nothing that makes me cry more than music. Hey, this is Chris Santos, host of Delirious Nomads, the Blacklight Media Podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Delirious Nomads is a podcast about all things heavy metal, as well as breakdowns of your favorite combat sports. And me being a chef and all, we'll be riffing on some food talk every week with very special guests from across the world. Like, cause and it's yeah. not even, but it's not like, but like you said though, you gave the different, it could be cause I'm sad. It could be cause the song is just beautiful. It could just yeah. be a fucking chord change. Like them them transitioning from one chord oh. to the next. And it, 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 whatever that was sounded so good to me that I cried to Burr. I've talked about this a million times Burr hopefully does it on a special. Like I, we went to go see Billy Joel together and I warn him that I cry every time he does scenes from an Italian restaurant live. And yeah. and I start weeping right next to him while we're both on mushrooms. And it's just and now he's telling the story. When I open for him, he tells the story to close his set out. But it's like That's it's not the song's not sad, it's the song's just it's so beautiful
1: that it makes me
2: happy that I'm alive to experience the beauty I of saw, that song.
1: I saw Mazzy Star live, and I was in the crowd, and they started playing. And it was dark. It was barely lit up. It was candles. Uh, She was standing sideways smoking a cigarette and drinking wine and started singing. I looked over. Every dude in that place is sobbing because all of them are are being broken up with at that moment by every high school girlfriend they ever had. It was that kind of a sensation where it hits you in the gut and you're like, I'm I'm like, yeah, I can't. Yeah, wild horses. Yeah. You know, oh God. It, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, uh, the the right song. There, there. You know, an album I heard recently. Somebody, somebody gave me this song, and it's not even the music that I normally listen to, but that new there's there's a new album by Jason Isbell and the 400 Unit, mm-hmm. and there's a song on it called Death Wish, and that it's the first track on their new album. I heard that song and I was like. Ugh, this hits me in the... I've dated some messed up people and like been with like women that I'm like, I want to fix you. I want to like... And he says that. I want to hold you till this is over. And it's like, that hit me. I don't get that with comedy. I don't get that with some a great bit. I laugh yeah. and I connect to it, but I don't get that like, oh, I've fucking been there. The thumb and the bruise pushing on it in that yeah. right way where you're like ah, that hurts good. It hurts good. <laughs> I need that prank. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, you hear yeah. a joke, you laugh and
2: then you go, all right, that was great. That was, that yeah. was really funny. All right. Yeah. What's the next joke? Because I'm yeah. it's never, I'm never going to react to it the way that I did the first time I heard the joke, but in, but in music, it might be the 120th listen of a song and what you're dealing with in that day. And then it suddenly just affects you because it's like, you feel like the, like I've never felt like a joke was written for me, but I've heard many
1: albums That's a great fucking way to put it. I've never, that's a great fucking way to put it. I've never felt that a joke was written for me, but there are a thousand songs where I'm like, they fucking wrote this about this situation. It's verbatim and it shows you that the human experience is truly, like we experience a lot of things very similar. I've never sat in a back parking lot behind my fucking apartment and played a song over and over again. Like, Cause I'm like, I just want to let this finish. I've never done that with a bit. I've yeah. never sat there and been like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna finish listening to Nate Bargatz's bit here. I'm gonna <laughs> play it again one more time because I'm crying. You know, like it's not, I know some people that comedy hits them like that, but it doesn't for me, like it doesn't. And there are live shows that I've seen that still give me chills when I think about it. And where I'm like, that was trans. That was like, that blew my fucking mind. Like, I'd give anything to go back to that.
2: Yeah, oh, man. I, yeah. I go. Yeah. To, I've been in the last three weeks. I've been to seven concerts. I went to oh, one Friday. I saw the smile on Friday. I saw Erica Badu last night. I'm what? Going to see? Yeah. Oh, dude. Best How smelling, was that? Best smelling concert I've ever been to in my life. <laughs> I swear to God. I thought Janet Jackson was the best smelling concert, but Erica Badu. God damn, dude, she's you know, it, it. It was just I. I usually, like I say, I usually take like psychedelics, like a light dose, and I go by myself. Last night, because I, I had a show at the cellar after that, and yeah. I just you know, it's such a cellar, such a weird place. I'm like, yeah, I don't really think I should be on mushrooms at the VU in front of 300 people. Like, if it was another club in the city, 100, I would have taken mushrooms. God, the stand short, dude. It's who gives a fuck. Um, but I didn't need them. Because the vibe that she created, she fucking is a, she's a rock star, man. She's like, she's a, she's a real artist and she's not of this world and her voice and not is incredible. And her vibe is just like magical and like so spiritual. Um, she didn't play a lot of the hits that you would want, but she played a set list that was really fun and really showcased her voice and and the band was great and and it was positive that was the other thing too ben that was really crazy it was very positive because i'm this white dude going by myself and i'm not saying i was the only white guy there but i'm by myself and i go to shows all i mostly go to the shows by myself and do people would walk by me in the row and they'd be like you having a good time i'd be like fuck yeah man and it was just like a really awesome vibe and i feel like everybody knew that we were going to see something special and most F opened and he was great but it was it was erica it didn't make a difference she's, how many guests she's
1: one of those artists that's totally enigmatic like she's become an enigma like just a a weird like um sade is kind of like that like no one really knows much about sade you know yeah. what I mean? and erica badu is like that i think like what's her face from from Portishead, uh, or ben, even portis gibbons yeah beth yeah, gibbons she's like exactly like that like you don't know a lot about her and uh uh, P- uh page or what or uh, from uh, from Starr Star is the same way like there are just people who become kind of just these shadowy figures of their music and i think Erica Badu is like that Ditto Lauren Hill, I think. I would love to see Lauren Hill live. Have you seen I her would,
2: live? I haven't seen her live, but it's not the Lauren Hill from Ms. Education anymore. Yeah. It is a, whereas someone, and I'm not just comparing them together because they're both black and they both sing, you know, like hip hop soul, is that Erica Badu? If she's doing the song, she's doing her song and she's putting her flair on it, but she's giving you what you want. Um, and it feels like it's a lot of love. Every everything I've seen of the live performances of Lauren Hill have turned into, like she plays the songs off of *MisEducation*, but she does like weird versions of them, so they don't mm-hmm. sound like the record or maybe the cadence yeah. or the speed or whatever. Um, you know she she's one of those people that 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 Hollywood or the entertainment industry changed her and not in a good way like it she she yeah. really i think had like a breakdown and it, it's it's sad because she literally made one of the best records of my lifetime this so education is so, so it's, perfect. it's perfect it's
1: perfect so yeah um, it's a great and i think it's on this 500 list isn't yes, it yes I mean, we did it we
2: well it's here's was funny it, it was in the 300s right adam i think it was like low 300s or 330 and and then um, they did the 2020 rewrite of the list and it went into the top 10. Um, wow. So it's, yeah, so it's it's very important to the, a lot of the people that are making music now, but when you it's still, when you put it in the big scope of everything that's been made, you know, and the list that we're doing was written by like old white guys, like it's still, they could still say, oh, this is a record that is important. She, I mean it. Like you, dude. When I said it, you you lit up. It's like one of those records that you're like, oh my god, I I remember where I was. I remember yeah. making out to this girl to this song. I remember driving to, <laughs> driving to uh, fucking when I had to do community service because I I got busted at a party, underage okay. drinking. I remember all of that to that record. But
1: that's the most nineties thing ever, you know. Uh, yeah. I had to I'd listen to this album on the way to community service for a drinking charge. Yeah. yeah, I know, yeah. There's more of a nineties fucking sentence than <laughs> <It's> that. <right. laughs> was Seth green there? He was, yeah. it was me
2: and Seth green. Um, oh, it, god! But look, and also uh, before we go back to Otis, I want to mention this. I was, I was on and I feel everybody should watch this. There's that really great series on YouTube tiny desk concert and yeah. um uh, Erica Badu has one on there and it's great um Miley Cyrus did one and she covered fade into you and yeah. it is fucking great like Miley Cyrus does not get the credit that she deserves for yeah she was a, she was a disney character or whatever the she fuck has she was a
1: fantastic voice she's one of those star. memes going around now like those Oh yeah, I's like that. Got yeah. That's got you got it. You got it. You got it. You got it. That's they're, they're really really fucking funny, but yeah she does have a fantastic fucking voice. And she Fantastic. Does have- she has a. Actually, when she does a cover, I'm always her cover of Jolene was fucking super great. Like it, she's got a really good voice. I actually saw her at Turner Upfronts at the Adult Swim party. She was there, like the featured performer. Um, and it sucked because I wanted to see some of that, but then she had what's his face from the Flaming Lips on, and it was a fucking weird, disjointed performance. And uh, I wanted to, I wanted her to do stuff like that. But yeah, you, fade into you as a classic. That's important.
2: were you guys were you guys were you guys surprised with how? I mean, because dude, those that can't, I mean, that fucking really you got what three seasons on yeah. TBS? I mean, one congrats. that's awesome. And the fact that you got to make something with your friends, like how, how hard was that for you from the conception of it to, to being able to get it on television? Did they, did they push back a lot? Cause the three of you were like, you're all great comics, but it's like, there's no, it's not like one of you is this giant name. So no. you, it's hard, man. It was
1: very random. Amazon bought it. Um, first for amazon prime it was in amazon's first batch of television shows and they gave us fifty thousand dollars they just (laughs) gave us 50 grand and they were like make something we filmed it on our own with our we rented cameras we shot it totally by ourselves here at schools that let us use their space in denver um, because we knew the mayor um, just from being popular comics. And so we we filmed it and turned it into them. And they were like, well, like, I don't think they thought we were gonna make anything. They're so trying to they, pay you off. <laughs> they just they, they were giving you money to we shut you up. Like a, we won a script contest. And then they they <laughs> thankfully to Amazon's credit, they showed it to everybody. They showed their pilots and let people rate it. And someone at Turner, their wife, saw it and they were looking for true tv to start getting into scripted television and so they reached out and then oh it actually went very quick they had us ref refilm the pilot originally it was nikki glazer was part of it and okay. then nikki had her own show called not safe for work i guess it was yeah on. yeah and yeah, then, yeah so she couldn't do it so we cast maria thayer um Instead, because it was Nikki played the original role of maria's character, and then yeah, it's a, we shot the pilot and they were like, "We're gonna buy season one, and they did that, and then they bought season two. they had agreed that they were gonna go in if they were doing this for two seasons, they were gonna the right off the bat, but yeah, oh, it was that's very real. yeah, it was we managed to get in, you know when you're making television or trying to sell something what people that Are listening who aren't in the industry, don't know is part of the hardest part is catching a time when executives stay. Like, because networks turn over executives so quickly, you have to get in this window where they last long enough through the development period that somebody new doesn't come in and go, I don't like that, and fucking trash it before it ever goes to air. Yeah. So, we got in and when Chris Lynn had just taken over, right at the beginning of it and uh so we you know and and sal and all of those dudes and like the 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 impractical jokers guys were really like blowing that network up at that time so it was very surreal. It, it, I honestly, I it feels like a fluke of my life. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I get it. Something it's something fucking random that happened. Oh yeah, I was on television for a short period. Of time. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you guys ready? You guys,
2: I was on television. You might remember. You guys ready to hear this song?
1: <laughs> and then you just yeah, yeah. I but I, I just used it now to like use money to tour and play music and do as you should yeah as you
2: should yeah you you know it's
1: about being happy now like i think truly like uh and i love where comedy is at because of that because like what you're doing and the podcast and things like that you kind of do what you want a lot more now just to you know i don't know maybe it maybe it's not you don't have to rely on television as much i don't
2: at all at all, yeah. at all. Yeah. Dude, I love it. It was a great show, man. It was great. Hey, it really thanks, made me man. laugh. I
1: appreciate it. It was really dumb and fun to do. And, and we're still like working and developing something right now. Uh, myself and Adam um, are developing an animated thing. So, you know, we, I love writing television. I wrote with the scholars on a UFC thing because I love, I, I teach you, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And you and- worked with them on that? You helped yeah. them write
2: jokes? Oh, they're, that's great because I've seen a lot of the clips from
1: that. Yeah, yeah, it worked to like just doing punch up because they were like, "Well, we know you know." Because I teach Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, I, I I have been tr- doing BJJ for a long time, and uh, so they were like, well, "We know you know MMA and and Jiu Jitsu." So um, yeah, it was so fun. That was a dream come true because I I watch fighting anyway. Like I just watch and buy a ton of fighting. So uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just a a. So I'm just kind of doing what I want, you know what I mean? I dude, you're know. a
2: badass, bro. Shut you're up. fucking, yeah, you're a fucking badass. Dude,
1: you're a fucking badass, dude. You don't I don't, look I don't do uh, on. steroids.
2: I'm on steroids. But you know, you really? I'm, I'm 43. For yeah, I'm on 4 I'm 43, dude. I can't bounce oh, yeah, around dude. like this unless you got a bunch of fucking rogan juice in you, you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> Have you ever done like striking or anything or any like no, fighting?
2: I I don't do uh, the last fight I got into was in front of the student union in two thousand and six with some guy that cut in front of me and and dropped classes line, um, and it was it was it was ridiculous. It's like I'm just not a fighter. I do I do I would I would say that I would love to to like box and like learn it, but it's just. I don't know. I, I mean, maybe one day, you know, I see those guys out in uh, Peter Cooper Village. They have like the trainer that's got the pads and people are hitting it. But, oh, I did. I did do jujitsu because I was like, I was, I was, I was very, uh, uh, what do you call it? Not, I was friendly with Joe Rogan when I was, when, when I still lived in LA, not like good friends, but I would talk to him at the store. And I said I was looking for new workouts, and he's like, "You should do jujitsu, man. You should do jujitsu. It's a great workout. And works every muscle. Blah blah blah." And I was like, "Cool." He's like, "Go to Tenth Planet in the Valley, uh, and school, yeah. yeah, Eddie Bravo's place." And I do, and we we train for a little bit. Like they kind of taught us some shit, and then they go, "All right, now you guys go ahead and pick a partner and roll around." And I rolled with some guy who smelt so fucking bad that, I, and some of his sweat went in my mouth, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah. fuck this, dude."
1: Dude, that's jujitsu. I've been, in, I've ingested more of another dude's other dude's sweat. Just a cacophony of of like of sweats and bacterias. I've had oh. every skin infection, and they all do nogi. Like, uh, they all you know train nogi. Like, they don't wear. I do this. I love gi jujitsu, which is deeply esoteric eric to jujitsu it has very little street application probably because i don't like fighting i think fighting is incredibly dumb and a waste yeah. of time but violence does happen it's unfortunate but sure. sometimes you gotta hit somebody i hate that i hate that like it sounds fucking stupid but uh unfortunately people are dumb and sometimes they only listen uh that way so
2: to to fist they only listen to the fist
1: to the way of the
2: fist (laughs) the way but no but i
1: I, um but yeah i I think like now just being able like you're doing like we were saying being able to play music being able to to do comedy the way i want to and being able to do stand up like jujitsu and just the things i like doing that make me happy that that feels like a win from the tv show like completely completely dude
2: yeah uh all right let's get this back on otis for a oh, moment yeah? sorry uh, sorry <laughs> no, no 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 i took it there dude please uh, it's we're, <laughs> this is what this podcast is it's a balance of the record and life hell yeah dude. and that's and that's that because i because i because I, if not it's just me reading shit and i don't <laughs> want to do that um all right do we talk adam do, is there anything about this record that's super important
0: i mean the cover of uh the beatles song is probably a day tripper's
2: great i mean track wise this is a great just a great record he's got a country song on there um i i want to find out i want to find out because i don't think there's i still think there's just a lot of people that just don't know about him. um so this is what basically post this record This, this record was it was it big let's find out how big it was for him um the record released october 66 uh peaked at number 73 and number five in the billboard 200 uh produced two singles fa 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 and try a little tenderness it's what happened after this though i think that is really important about otis redding and we're going to talk about him two more times on the podcast um and you'll see his name start coming up i think more with a lot of the artists we've already heard him a bunch uh in spring of 66 to mark the first time stack books concerts for him he arrives in london the beatles sent a limousine to pick him up uh his booking agent bill graham proposed that redding play at the fillmore The gig was commercially and critically successful, uh, prompting Graham to remark afterward. This is what I'm talking about. He goes, that was the best gig I have ever put on in my entire life. Um, Yeah, it's, it's, you have to listen. I can't stress this enough. These records are good. Listen to the live records of him. That is where you'll get the genius. Because I bet some of you are listening to this and going, yeah, it's good. You know what I mean? It's a yeah, good record.
1: Everybody knows him as the Doc of the Bad Guy. That's that's yes. what it is.
2: But yeah. it's it is he is not that. It's just like it's there's so much. So dig into the live shit. Um, in '67, uh, they released King and Queen, uh, which became certified gold. Uh, it's I guess it was basically a duet record. Am I wrong? It's a duet mm-hmm. record. I'm trying to like get this as as succinct as possible. All right, so then Monterey. Here we go. Uh, He performs at Monterey Pop as the closing act on Saturday night after delivering one of the most electric performances of the night and having been the act to most involve the audience. His performance uh, was a progression from local to national acclaim. Uh, It was a turning point in his career. And then he's just, he starts doing covers, respect, satisfaction. Then he does Sitting on the Dock of the Bay, which is inspired, like you said, by the Beatles record, Sergeant Pepper um let's get to this so the band's traveling to a performance in reddings Beechcraft h18 airplane on december fucking
1: airplane yeah that for a black artist to own an airplane at that time is insane i didn't
2: realize he was that big i know this sounds ridiculous i'm about to say but i didn't realize he was that big when he died i always kept thinking he was unknown except for a few performances and then sitting on the dock of the bay comes out and that's like this massive hit and now he's gone yeah uh, but just to, just to let everybody know they were gonna go uh they were blah, blah, blah they they played three concerts in two nights at a club called leo's casino reading's next stop was madison wisconsin the next day although the weather was poor with heavy rain and fog despite warnings the plane takes off four miles from their destination the pilot radioed permission to land The plane crashed into Lake Monona. The Barkay's member, uh, Ben Cawley, the accident's only survivor, was sleeping shortly before the accident. He woke up just before the impact to see bandmate Phelon Jones look out the window and exclaim, Oh no. Uh, Cawley said the last thing he remembered before the crash was unbuckling his seatbelt. He then found himself in frigid water, grasping a seat cushion to keep afloat. The cause of the crash was never determined. The memorial service took place at the city auditorium in Macon. More than 4,500 people showed up, overflowing the 3,000-seat hall. Redding was entombed at his ranch in Round Oak. He died just three days after re-recording, sitting on the Dock of the Bay. It would be released in January '68 and became Redding's only single to reach number one on the Hot 100. Uh, It was the first, like he said, first uh, posthumous number one single in U.S. history, it sold over 4 million copies. and received more than 8 million airplays. Uh, and, I mean, dude, this guy is just... It's like, this, it just sucks that he didn't... You know, he got the money. Yeah. He got money. He got the, got the respect of his peers. But, like, he's about to be the biggest artist in the yeah. fucking world. Yeah. I, I can't stress... I'm telling you, people. Watch the live performances, and you tell me... That there's a better live performer than Otis Redding. This he, this seven foot nine, five hundred-pound giant.
1: It was six one, two twenty, but Six me, one, two twenty. I, that's pretty big. Yeah, hey, that I'm, that five nine, big I'm
2: five nine, bro. I'm five nine. I'm
1: mid-sweight. i a I'm a, a middleweight, <laughs> you know what I mean? So that that's a big guy.
2: He's uh, he's inducted, so, so he's he's won two Grammy Awards. Uh, a Grammy Lifetime amazing. posthumously, yes, a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award. He's inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Wait, is in 89, uh, uh, Adam, find out. Is that first year? Is that first year? I think it is. Okay. And for, he, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame might be, I know it's first ballot, but I don't know if it's the first year, which is a big thing, because that's they, they got Jerry Lee Lewis in the first year too. Declaring his name to be synonymous with the turn, soul music, that arose out of the Black experience in America through the transmutation of gospel and rhythm and blues into a form of funky secular testifying. He's also a member of the Black Music and Entertainment Walk of Fame, Songwriters Hall of Fame. He's inducted into the Georgia Music Hall of Fame. Five years later, the United States issued a 29 cent stamp in his honor. Uh, rock and roll hall of fame includes reddings recordings of shake which is great center of the dock of the bay which is which is great try a little tenderness and on its list the 500 songs that shaped rock and roll and you could and this is i think where we're really you could talk about the artists that he's influenced i mean uh, the led zeppelin the grateful dead the doors leonard skinnerd Uh, early guy, I mean, Al Green. All the
1: way to now, you know, I mean, I'm in Denver and Stax Records resurfaced with the name, a totally different thing, but um, Nathaniel Ratliff and the Night Sweats. Yes, yes. Have talked about what a huge influence uh yeah. Otis Redding was, as well as I said it before, if no one has listened to Solomon Burke, who was a huge influence and in the Hall of Fame, and a lot of people don't know him was a big influence on Otis, another amazing those Stax records artists Sam and Dave, uh yeah, that there's so many, and they're still releasing bands, and now it's like that kind of blue eyed soul now, like a lot of white soul musicians are on the Stax records uh like stop but they wouldn't be here every one of them says oh they're sweating and there's a reason yeah a I,
2: reason. I, I i i don't know how to how to put it any any clear about about my love for this guy it's like i for years would be like ah oh, axel rose or this guy and it's like it's like there's no one if i you know they always do that thing if you could see any concert ever yeah. what would it be and I'm like, if I could be in the room of those whiskey shows, God damn, dude, I would. Either that or like watching Beethoven premiere the the Ninth Symphony. The Ninth Symphony yeah. I think that would be fucking <laughs> the original, cool. The original, the original. <laughs>
1: him in there with the fucking big bushy wig, like yeah, and, his, yeah. and his just with a kid. Just like, what? fucked like, up from, <laughs> from syphilis you yeah. know, blind and shit like that just rocking out yeah you're gonna have to see that one and as adam put in the chat on shrooms you'd of course be at the beethoven symphony
2: yeah high on shrooms from i don't what think it I, sounds like i don't man. think i don't think i would do shrooms i don't think i would do shrooms for the whiskey show i i would just you don't i don't think you need it man i think i think the energy in there that like dude you're i know you're a punk fan and like hardcore yeah. shit dude he turned these white people that are like stuck up into like like they're at they're at like a black flag show
1: hello tom may here host of future friday i've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band the menzingers where i've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people so i started a podcast without black musicians it doesn't it doesn't exist without roots music dub music like it doesn't exist without the blues and performance wise it doesn't exist without little richard it doesn't ex- it, it just i mean that's and jerry lee lewis like yeah. it doesn't exist without you know a oh yeah. ooh, 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 you know yeah. like that that sound i mean in that style of performing like of getting in people's faces and and uh, and testifying, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that, that that shaped what we do. I mean, I we hundred percent.
2: Uh, yeah. so, so, Adam, are there any interesting facts? He says he owned two hundred suits and four hundred <laughs> pairs of shoes. Uh, the only person I think i might have more than that is Prince. Prince had so many shoes. Have you been to Paisley Park yet? I have not. Next time Did you know? go, to the, yes. Oh my god! And and I'm a. See, here's the thing: is I'm such a poser that. Uh, like I go see Erica Badu, and now all I want to listen to is Erica. And I'm like, Erika is the greatest singer in the history of, of the world. And I go to Paisley Park, and I'm like, Prince is a god. And he is. Um, but it really, it's just a beautiful way to, you know, it's just like doing this podcast. I listen to a record, I I fall in love with it, and and then I'm like, oh, I get it, and I get this artist. I get Prince now, um, but you take him to his shoe room, and his shoe room is like, it's just adorable, because he's got such small feet. And um, he's got, like, <laughs> thousands of pairs of shoes. What's the What's the Janis Joplin quote? What are you talking about?
0: She said that um, she was influenced by singing style, stating that she learned to push a song instead of just sliding over it after hearing her. Yes. Writing.
1: Yeah. What do you think I she means love, by that? I, I think what it means is that you are the one carrying the song right you're not you're not just floating your lyrics over the top of a melody you're driving that song forward and i and i get that like that's a feeling thing like janice did that like it almost felt like the the music she was not singing over the music the music was in service of her yes and i totally same 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 because the band's good his band is good
2: they're not no one's sticking around and going nuts for the band it's otis otis is the music he's the notes he's the power he's the soul he's the heart it's like it's literally like
1: you know it's just
2: yeah i
1: want to address one thing you said real quick you said i get pumped i see erica badu she's the greatest i see prince I do that. And I think it's because music is polytheistic. It is not money monotheistic. There are a lot of gods in music. That's how I've always felt. It's like, I can, that guy's a fucking God of this. That's because there are, there are hundreds of gods in rock and roll. There, There has been a lot. And I think there are a lot to worship in music. And I totally get that. I'll see something and I'll be like, that's it. That I went and saw Etta James, uh, and oh, king wow. and, and Al Green at at get this red rocks of all places I saw oh, wow. that before Edda died and I was like, there's no better performer in history <laughs> than Etta James. Then Al Green came out, there's no fucking better performer yeah. than Al Green is. And then BB comes out and you're like that's it. He's the greatest performer the greatest. of all time. But then you realize they're all gods. They're all on the Mount Olympus of fucking of rock and roll and of and of, and it's, and soul. Soul has that way of doing that when they hit you and they're like Take me to the river, you know? And you're like, fuck, yes, I'm ready to be baptized in this. Fuck, man. I so yeah. my question,
2: and I, Adam, you wrote this, and this is a good question. Um, is, there, is so it's, do you think if Otis doesn't die, we're talking about him the way that we're talking about him. Like the way that Kurt Cobain is like, what the fuck are you doing? The way that, that, that Kurt Cobain, like Nirvana is a good band. Right. And they were Mm -hmm. big, they were, you know, they were big when he was alive, but then he dies and they become this, you know, it's a, it's a, I mean, like we, you know, he, like we were saying the, the, he's a, it's a phenomenon. It's a a phenomenon then. Yeah. Do you, do you think, do you, you know, and is this a good question? Do you think that like, cause I do, I, I do think that like what his body of work prior to him dying and the the recordings that he left around and that energy that he had, I don't think there were people that could match that. What do you think?
1: I don't know. Um, it's tough because commercialism can change people. I, I, I don't know enough. You know, like you said, Nirvana, I'd like to think they would have gone more poppy, but in utero was... Came out after. Never mind. And he that's was, a
2: yeah. That's a. a, 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 a he, he, he was, was trying. Funny. He he was trying to 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 lose fans. He was
1: trying. I think he went back to like like he felt like he had made something so commercial. It's hard to say if he after in utero kind of kind of corrects back to more like stuff that's. I I don't know. Like, there's that question that always comes up: Is it better to burn out or to fade away? And like. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm wondering if Otis is appreciated the way he is right now because he died. It's hard to know, but I don't think so. I I think Otis continues to put out, I think he was curious. I think he continues to put out great music. I think he expands on that sound, but I think he goes far more in the direction of, of Doc of the Bay. I think he starts... It's just what happens with what is the music industry and fame to, to, does it do what it did to Elvis? Does it do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, yeah. It's, 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 it's a good point.
2: I mean, he it's he, he would have gotten a hit with that and and that suddenly starts making him more money and brings him to a different audience. And I feel I think there would have been a good balance. I do. I think I, I, I think
1: he had taste. I, ben,
2: ben, you can't I, I've I've been looking at you, knowing the way you feel about music and the way you love rock and the way you appreciate it and the way you love going up on stage and fucking just letting it all out. Yeah, Otis is that kind of performer. He's yeah. he's. He, I think I'd be mean, I would.
1: Otis, can you answer this?
2: <laughs> I wish he was here. I'm talking. My, I like... do this.
1: I do this on stage. No one can see. I don't know if you're going to have the video, but. I do this a lot on stage. This is totally like this kind of thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that yeah. bent in half. Like yeah, you know what I mean. That's <laughs> yeah. all like that that style of like soul, like losing it and the begging style. I can't get that. Uh, like the pleading style. There's a uh, Anderson Park on uh, one of his newer songs has that 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 line he goes no one really begs anymore you know and he he says that that's in the chorus of one of their songs because that was like a style no one no one does that bleeding style of music anymore where they're like they're begging for your these oh
0: yeah you know what i mean like the
2: the song that i was mentioning um god i wish there was a video of it see if see if you can pull this video up and we'll end it on this because i think i think what you just said is perfect look up live performance otis redding of, of i've been loving you too long because i think that'll completely the begging, the pleading, because like, yeah. the whole song is like, I'm down on my knees. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, yeah. please.
1: He's like, come on, please. I'm begging come on, you. baby girl, what happened? No one really begs anymore. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Like uh, the pleading is everything to that. Like it, 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 like uh, Al Green did it. I, I, I've been really trying. You know, like <laughs> it, it's like this. It, it's sad almost. I'll, like uh, I love that shit
2: i don't think it exists i think i made it up in my head it it was like a recording on like a tv show and he just like the band lines up and as they as they sing it it, it's but it's it was such a perfect explanation of what is this it hold on it's such a perfect explanation of what
1: ben was saying the other thing that i thought was great about him is and part of the reason why I think I liked him is he didn't sing outside of a range that he, his range wasn't particularly like wide. He, he, he was pretty like narrow range of singing and it
0: felt like oh, yeah. I
1: could sing along with, you know? Oh, it, he's it, 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 others. I couldn't hit a lot of that. I would never be able to hit those notes, but his felt accessible as a sing along, you know, like I, I, I only like, Allison Chains was like that. Anybody could sing in the car along to Allison Chains. You could all kinda do it, you know? Yeah. But but there's still like, I mean, let me tell you something, dude.
2: Trying to fucking sing Man in the Box and hit that high note, that's very, very difficult.
0: Just a little bit too long. long, And I don't wanna stop.
2: Here it is, the (laughs) begging.
0: I love you,
1: I love you, I love you with all my heart. my he's now. Please,
0: please, please, yeah. Don't make me stop now, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I
1: love my soul, I
0: love you. I love Good God almighty, I love you. I love you, baby. I love you, honey. Good God girl-
1: yeah, fucking it's so good there
2: was dude i'm telling you ben if if there was a concert video to watch it's like i would watch the fuck out of this like i would love to see sam cook live at the harlem club because when he's yeah. doing like bring it on home it's bring it on home yeah. i mean it's just yeah and, then, and he ends it with you know yeah. it's so how do black people have way more fun than white people i'm gonna just be honest that's I mean, that's it, the it, statement i
1: i think it i think it comes from i mean gospel churches were more fun to like the music like their their music choices and music selections were often like so much better they were less somber and chamber music oh god i had to go to church it was so fucking boring it would have been awesome if there was a full choir fucking just losing oh yeah
2: um dude this was so much fun dude this This was was
1: awesome you'll come back we'll have you come back
2: because we've got another 250 episodes to do so (laughs) trust me
1: (laughs) i would fucking i i will talk music and geek out over whatever you let like anytime because this is I wanted to say thank you because he sent oh. this and I was like, I, all I was doing shows this weekend out of town, I was in Tucson and doing shows. All I listened to was Stax Records stuff. Oh, like, good. It just brought me back to like, I, it just was like, all I'm going to listen to is just soul all weekend, and so I had the rental car, the Bluetooth, and all I did was just good. like that hugging yourself <laughs> in the trap. So you all, all right. rule. Thanks for letting My, me be a part dude, of it.
2: We I got you're welcome. Uh we've we asked these questions to everybody. Uh um, okay. what's your favorite song on the record?
1: Uh this is weird, but I, I, I will say it's Tennessee Waltz. I I think that, that that song is so fucking good, but I um it's hard. I don't want to pick the obvious, but try a little tenderness is the, is the, it, it, that's one where the single is the best song on the album to me. Like, I I think that song is, uh, I think that that's the best song.
2: I mean, it's out of all of them. It's the, you know, besides day tripper. Yeah. It's the biggest staple. I mean, you had like Frank Sinatra do it, Mel Torme, Bing Crosby, Aretha Franklin. Um, it's just so famous three dog night did it. Uh, it's been done by so many people, and then there's there was the version in that that's that Irish movie. Oh God, the 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 not the Commanders. The do you remember that movie I'm talking about? The God damn it, Stephen Frears directed it. They did Mustang Sally, and I used to play it at weddings. Um, doesn't make a difference. It was it's just it's it's definitely out of all of them the the most famous, I would say. It's also one of the 500 greatest songs ever written.
1: Uh, I mean, it, it, it's, it- it, it, it's sometimes they're right. Like sometimes hating on a song just because it's the single and it's the popular one is just wrong. Like it is a fucking fantastic it song. Is. And I don't why get why tired of could, it. No, I don't it, either. I hear it and I'm, but I, I will say like Tennessee Waltz is great. And I'm sick y'all is. Is a great song too i i I'd
2: also i put day tripper in there too because he makes that his own um it, it's just this is listen i i think that i think uh coffee and cigarettes is a better record by him i think that's what it was called but but this is a very good way for a listener to get into to otis redding mm-hmm. and then listen to this and then go and put on the rest of the catalog or listen to those live recordings fuck yeah fuck what yeah. would What would you say is your least favorite? Do you skip over any tracks?
1: No. No, I think it's a pretty solid album, top to bottom. When I was listening to it, there was nothing that like, bored me or anything like that. Um, I I would say probably My Lover's Prayer is not my favorite out of all of them, but I still like it. Which is funny.
2: it's just funny that you say that because this song by many critics was deemed worthy of an Academy award and regained even more popularity when it was featured at the end of season two on the Sopranos.
1: It's a fucking great song. It's great a great song. Song. It's hard. That's a loaded
2: question. It's hard to say that when your album means so much to you and like, you know, music is a weird thing, but I got to ask you some records. You're like, yeah, you could have trimmed, you could have trimmed five songs from this record and didn't take away the double album and just made it a single album. I mean, dude, use your illusion is, is like the epitome of like, it just, just, it could have been amazing. It could have been amazing and they fucked it up. All right. Um, can you fuck to this record?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's what this <laughs> record was made for. Sure, like this was made to—it's the up and down of fucking. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's got all of it. It's uh, definitely. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I can. Uh, I, you can fuck that. to it. You can
2: fuck yeah, to this. You yeah, can, yeah, you're yeah, still you my can. baby. You can t- oh, just put it on the opening. Try yeah. a little tenderness. Tennessee Walt, Sweet Lorraine. And then uh, I'm sick
1: at the end. I'm sick, y'all. I'm sick, I'm sick of
2: this. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Can you work out to it? Also, what style of workout would this be
1: best for? Oh shit. Uh damn, that's tough. I think a good walk, you know, I, I don't know that I could I, I don't know that I could rep like just ripped some kettlebells to it or if somebody threw it on during an hour and a half roll at jujitsu i don't think i can listen to this i think it would get a little too sensual at points uh for my for my not that i don't like being sensual when i roll but wrong with that uh, no 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 i'm fine with it uh but uh no i don't think i could work out unless it was something kind of chill maybe a nice jog. Yeah. Like getting out for a, a nice like a jog, an easy afternoon. It's a Sunday. It's, it's, a, a, good
2: nice it's a good jog. This is a good yeah, jog. This is a good jog. This is a
1: solid job. You get out on a, on a jog. You're not pushing yourself. You're just having a nice day out.
2: Totally, totally. Um, and what would be your elevator pitch to get somebody to listen to this
1: album? I would just say that this is uh to me what soul is about. It's raw, it's a raw collection of uh of a young artist finding his voice. Like this is this is when, if you like soul music, if you love the bridging between R and B and jazz and gospel, this is I think where you should start.
2: Yeah, I, that was perfect. That was perfect. Please promote away. Anything you want to promote, buddy?
1: Oh um, man, I uh, yeah, I have a band called Spells. Uh, everybody can check out spellsrules.bandcamp.com. It's real silly, fucking garagey punk. And more importantly, I have my first hour special uh, coming out called Hyena, uh, which is coming out. Uh, that'll be available on August tenth for free on YouTube, so you can check it out.
2: Perfect, dude. Uh, and we'll send us some music, and we'll play we'll play your band uh, oh, to end yeah, this man. episode, and we'll play it again. Um, when we do like a punk record, I'll make you look at the list and you say what influenced you and you, and then we'll play it on that, but we're we'll it at the end of this anyway. Okay,
1: dude, you guys rule. That means
2: so much to me. We yeah. only have eight listeners, bro. I'd calm the fuck down. <laughs> like no, and no, they all it, live in a basement.
1: Yeah, I know, but, but uh, I'm in a basement and uh, nice. no, but I mean, I, I just like talking music. Like I, I like meeting people who are passionate about, I don't, I don't care if there's one person listening. This just means a lot. to. It's, it's it actually a, I lied. Yes.
2: It was actually, it's 10. We have, 10 people it's ten, listen- Fuck. 10 listeners are all in san francisco and they all want to murder me and oh, wear my skin God. they all want to wear my skin uh dude ben you're coming back dude seriously thank you. I'll, thank I'll, you. I'll talk to you soon you. and this was just phenomenal thank you brother thank you uh ben roy Follow him on all social media, at BenRoy00. Listen to his two pods, 97.9, The Rat Race, and The Grawlick Saves the World. And check out his new comedy special, Hyena, streaming August 10th on the 800-pound Gorilla label YouTube channel. And for new music, we have American R&B singer-songwriter Duran Jones. And you're listening to the song, Lord Have Mercy, from the 2023 record, Wait Till I Get Over. And you can find links to the music on our website, the500podcast.com. Next week is Bruce Springsteen week. Oh, yeah, send us your music. We'll play it. Send us your song to 500 podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and we will play it at the end of an episode. Uh, Bruce Springsteen, The River, it's a long one. It's like a three-hour, eh, it's like an hour and 40, but it's a good record. Listen to it. Bye.
0: Have mercy on me.
1: This is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time On Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and, in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of
0: NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.
1: What's up, everyone? This is Jay Reason, and I want to let you all know that Diablo Zen Podcast is now part of the Sound Talent Media family. Listen in as me and the one and only Danny Diablo, a.k.a. Lord Ezak, interview artists from the hardcore punk, metal, hip-hop scenes, and beyond. We have conversations with guests like actor Peter Green, DJ Muggs from Cypress Hill, L.A. street photographer Estevan Oriol, Jimmy G from New York City's legendary Murphy's Law, and pro wrestler Vampiro, to name a few. If you're a fan of good discussions, lots of laughs, tune in and join the fun.
0: Next Chapter Podcasts.